The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here's your host, Victoria Moran. Last week, people of the Jewish faith from around the world celebrated a new year. And an extra celebration of that is this historic statement just released that more than 70 rabbis are urging a transition toward an animal-free, plant-based diet. This is the JewishVeg.org rabbinic statement, and I'd like to share it with you. Millions among us suffer and die from chronic diet-related diseases each year. Billions of animals are subjected to unfathomable cruelty in the meat, dairy, and egg industries. Animal agriculture is the number one contributor to global climate change among all economic sectors. As we enter the new year, let's align our actions with Judaism's values and solve these problems, We, the undersigned rabbis, encourage our fellow Jews to transition toward animal-free, plant-based diets. This approach to sustenance is an expression of our shared Jewish values of compassion for animals, protection of the environment, and concern for our physical and spiritual well-being. And after being signed by some 75 rabbis from all aspects of Judaism, more and more rabbis are coming forward asking to be added. Whatever your faith and wherever you are, how exciting this is that people whom other people respect and look up to are coming to the fore for eating in a gentle way that benefits, well, pretty much everybody. I'm Victoria Moran, 
and you are listening to the Main Street Vegan Program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. It's such a pleasure to have you with us today. So after the break today, we're going to be talking with Lainey Mulrath, who is the author of The Mindful Vegan. We're going to talk about mindful eating and mindful living. And mindfulness to me goes hand in hand with meditation. So in our first couple of minutes, I had wanted to introduce you to the meditation timer app that I use. I don't work for these people. This is just uh, free information of something that I really enjoy using. And that is the Insight Timer. Now, part of what happens with the Insight Timer, in addition to timing your meditation for whatever length of time you would like to be in the beautiful silence, is that they have some support groups and friend groups, and one of those is called Veggie Meditators. And people write lots of questions into this group, and they're the same kinds of questions that many people have, perhaps, listening to this program. So in our first couple of minutes, I just want to address some of these. Now, I am not a medical doctor. I am not a dietitian. I am a certified holistic health counselor, and I do have the T. Colin Campbell Foundation Certificate in Plant-Based Nutrition, but mostly I'm just talking to you person to person as somebody who's been vegan for 34 years and vegetarian for, oh my gosh, 40-something. So here are some of the questions that I see in the Veggie Meditator group that maybe you've asked yourself. One of them is, what are great-tasting alternatives to eggs? Now, that's really a two-part question. One is, what can I scramble or make an omelet out of? And there's all sorts of work going on in the wonderful, exciting field of veggie meats, eggs, and dairy uh, to come up with a wonderful vegan egg that really is scramletable or omeletable. The closest thing that we have to that right now is the vegan egg from Follow Your Heart. It's a little bit tricky to use. It's a powder. You can whisk it up and use very, very cold water. Works nicely for French toast. A little bit trickier on something like an omelet, but it's pretty good and better things are on the way. So what have I been doing for low these 34 years? (laughs) Well, scrambled tofu is a classic. My favorite scrambled tofu recipe comes from a book called How to Eat Like a Vegetarian, Even If You Never Want to Be One by Patty Brightman and Carol J. Adams. So I encourage you to check that out, but you can find Tofu Scrambler all over the internet. Um, Tofu Scrambler is actually a commercial product that you mix with tofu, and it's got the spices and the turmeric to give you that kind of eggy color. Uh, Another wonderful trick for your Tofu Scrambler is if you are going to use a little salt, get a product called black salt. Sometimes you'll you'll uh, hear it called Indian black salt. It's not really black. It's usually pink, sometimes a little bit gray, but it is a high sulfur-containing salt. Eggs are very high in sulfur. It has a distinctive aroma. So when you use black salt, then your tofu scrambler reminds you a little bit more of the scrambled eggs that you're used to. And when you're really, really into the groove with this, you can actually use tofu and nutritional yeast um, to make something very, very similar to an omelet. 
There is a restaurant down in the East Village here in New York City called Organic Grill. And every now and then, when I am remembering the Sunday brunch omelets that I ate for quite a long time in my youth, I go down to Organic Grill and get one of their vegan omelets. And it is oh so, so very good. Now, I said that was a two-part question. That's because the other thing that we traditionally do with eggs is using them in recipes for, for cooking and binding. Again, there's a classic product called Energy Egg Replacer. You can get it at any natural food store. You can order it online from Thrive Market or Amazon or whoever you like online. And you just mix that with some water, and it works in a whole lot of recipes to stand in for the egg. You can also make a flax egg. There are recipes online for just taking flax seed and mixing that with water so that you've got something very eggy. And aquafaba, the liquid that is left after you open a can of chickpeas, also has that ability. So you can Google egg replacements, vegan egg substitutes, or you can order yourself a copy of the Main Street Vegan Academy cookbook, and we've got a whole section on ways to do egg without harming any chickens or your own arteries. So I'm going to move on to another question or two that I see here on the Insight Meditation Board. She is saying, who are your vegan vegetarian heroes? Oh my gosh, what a wonderful, wonderful question. So a couple of mine go way back, and those who listen to this show a lot know who they're going to be. That's Jay and Freya Dinshaw of the American Vegan Society and uh, the late Dick Gregory. So Mr. Gregory and Mr. Dinshaw have left us. Um, Freya Dinshaw is still going strong there at the American Vegan Society. If you're not familiar with them, check them out at AmericanVegan.org. And right now, in the living, breathing 2017 world uh, in which veganism is really popping, my heroes are many and varied. So I'm just going to name some that pop to the top of my head. First, I'm going to say Dr. Will Tuttle. He's been on the program. You can go to the archives of this show and look way, way back in 2012 or 2013, I think was the last time that Dr. Tuttle was on. He's the author of The World Peace Diet. He's a former Zen monk. He's also a concert pianist and really brings the idea of peace and spirituality into the vegan movement. Another great heroine of mine is a friend here in New York City, Liz D. She has actually been a guest on the program. She was talking about her life and being a vice president of Smarties Candies, a family company, which she learned was vegan. And that was how she learned what vegan was. And she went vegan that morning. She gave her lunch away and was vegan by noon. And something that Liz has done that is really exciting is she has started something called the Vegan Lady Boss Group here in New York City, so that once a month, amazing vegan women, most of them young, not all, come together, not just with this idea of, I want to do something for the world, I want to do something for animals, but with a purpose and a plan 
they know what they're doing for the world and for animals. So a shout out to Liz D. You are doing great and amazing things. And I think the other vegan who inspires me, I'm just going to tell you, it's my daughter, Adair Moran. She's been vegan forever. And if you've been listening to this show forever, well, from our beginnings five years ago, she used to actually do the show with me. But she has so many things going on in her life as a stunt performer and an aerialist and as um the head of Urban Utopia Wildlife Rehabilitation here in New York City, that she's no longer on the show with me. But I see her out in the world crafting a life as a vegan. This is a young woman who's never tasted anything from an animal, was always free to try something if she wanted to, but she never did because that spirit of reverence for life is in her soul and in her practice. And I'm very, very proud that she is my daughter. And finally, last question. How do you deal with the perceived need for animal protein during your period? You know, it's very interesting. Cravings that come up in the body and certainly the female body I remember some from when I was pregnant, for sure. I think sometimes when you're having a craving, it's a craving for a memory. And so if you believe that you're craving meat, it might be some of the nutrients that meat contains, all of which are available from the plant kingdom, or it might be just that memory of that texture and that taste. So check out some of the amazing commercial vegan meats that are out there. They are so meaty. Just today, my husband took a long trip downtown. If you're familiar with New York City, you know that it's all about subways and how many transfers you have to make. But we're in the upper part of town on the west side, and he went to the kind of lower middle part of town on the east side to Marty's V-Burger to get this wonderful, wonderful new vegan hamburger. Um, Marty Crudelo, vegan pilot Marty, he's been on the show in the past, um, has opened his wonderful restaurant. And that V-Burger fills the craving that my husband gets for Big Macs, which he grew up on and ate all the time when he was younger and before he got to know me. Uh, and there are some amazing um, mock meats, faux meats, or I just like to say plant meats at the store. We really need to take that word meat and claim it. It doesn't just mean something from an animal. It means the the heart of the matter, the meat of the matter. Uh, there's also a wonderful new cookbook you might want to check out called Field Roast from the chef at the Field Roast Company. He actually teaches you how to make your own veggie meat if you're someone who uh, is a happy person when you're in the kitchen and uh, also lots of recipes for using the foam meats. If indeed you are looking for a nutrient, that is in meat. Everybody thinks of protein first. That's probably not it because the plant kingdom is full of protein. You are certainly getting all you need on any kind of varied whole foods diet from the plant kingdom. But you know, if you're just feeling that you need a little more, sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's psychological. I would just use some Vega protein and put it in a smoothie in the morning just to convince myself if I was having that kind of craving that, oh, well, it can't be that 
because I took care of that. I know how much protein was in that scoop. And then, of course, you want to eat your beans and your peanut butter and your dark leafy greens, which per calorie have more protein than beef. Now, something else, because it's during your period that you might be missing, could be iron. Now, vegans are no more likely to be iron deficient than any other women of childbearing age. But it's about the same. So it could happen for you if you're vegan. It could happen for you if you're not. So some of the things that you can do to be sure that you get plenty of iron is to use a vitamin C rich food like lemon juice or tomatoes whenever you're having uh, an iron rich food like your grains, your beans and your leafy greens. This enhances iron absorption. Uh, you can also use a cast iron skillet, a cast iron soup pot, and you can actually get some iron this way, measurable amount, um, especially when you're cooking something acidic like uh, tomato sauce. If your levels are on the low side, you can eat figs, prunes, um, dried apricots, other dried fruits, and drink the water that you soak them in. It's really yummy. It's full of iron. Also, blackstrap molasses is practically an iron supplement and a calcium supplement, too. And you can put that into your smoothies. And some of the other foods that are high in iron that are from the plant kingdom are soybeans, lentils, kidney beans, garbanzo beans, black-eyed peas, Swiss chard, tempeh, black beans, beet greens, tahini, peas, bulgur wheat, bok choy, raisins, watermelon, millet, and kale. Yum, yum, and feel great. So I had some fun answering questions. I hope that you got something out of that as well. And you know what I know you're going to get something out of? That is the conversation coming up with the inimitable Lainey Mulrath right after this. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller.
What if you could start each day with a positive outlook, remembering you are a divine expression of God? Daily Word is a booklet of daily devotionals offering positivity that's downright contagious. With a print subscription or by email, you can pause to reflect on how to practice spirituality in your human experience. Reading Daily Word takes about a minute a day, so you can feel uplifted every morning. Visit dailyword.com to subscribe. Sometimes you might feel so alone with your problems, you don't know where to turn. We invite you to call Silent Unity, the 24-7 prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you every day at any hour. Listen and relax as you hear the beautiful words affirm the highest and best outcome for you and those you love. No matter what's going on in your life, Silent Unity is always standing by. The toll-free number is 1-800-NOW-PRAY. The world is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back, everybody, and it is my pleasure to reintroduce someone who has been on the show before, and this is Lainey Muellrath. Lainey is, to my mind, a renaissance vegan. (laughs) She covers all the bases, and I think this is really important because we really are about a whole lot of things. She is a longtime animal rights advocate. She is a health guru. We had her on, I think, before with her her book, uh, Fit Quickies. And um, she's also someone who loves this planet, who travels the world to visit animals that are about to be endangered and um, who really need some help. In addition, Lainey is a longtime meditator and a practitioner of this beautiful practice, this beautiful word that we hear a lot about, but I think we maybe don't always know what it is, and that is mindfulness. And her upcoming book is The Mindful Vegan. Welcome, Lainey Muellrath. Thank you, Victoria. I'm I'm always so excited to be with you, and I know we never run out of things to talk about, so we're going to have to see how we do in a short time together. Oh, I think we can say quite a bit. So (laughs) let's start with um, just what's going on with you right now. I know you're out there in beautiful Northern California. 
um, the world is a little crazy and yeah, uh, yeah. our conviction is to not be crazy. So what's going on with you? <laughs> well, I tell you, speaking of, because two weeks from today is, or from yesterday, I think is official book launch for The Mindful Vegan. And as you know, having written and produced so many books yourself, that it's a very active time because you have this treasure that you have invested your and poured your heart and soul into because I know you, like me, are very transparent with your writing and want to give the best you can to help anyone who might be able to help get help from what you have to offer. But then the book is published and it seems like things just begin because now how do you connect what you have with the hearts and minds out there that are going to benefit from it most? So that's what I'm in the middle of. But I tell you what, Victoria, it's been so wonderful to have this experience as this is the first book and first work that have really connected mindfulness, and you're right, we keep hearing all about it, and we can certainly clear up some of it about what that means, with vegan. And to me, there's all these books there, and I'm sure you've seen them about mindful eating, but not a one of them addressed thinking about or being mindful of what is on your plate and what it is and who it is, if it's a who, and how it got there, it's more like intuitive eating, like, oh, no, I feel like a burger. As long as I chew each bite 32, fines, I'm, 32 times, I'm eating mindfully. And, you know, it, it, to me, in mindfulness, when it comes to living as and eating as well, is about taking everything into account, the uh, your health, the planetary situation, consideration for the other sentient beings through which we with which we share her, and all of that. So that's oh, what's going okay. on for me right now. Then, then you are in the fabulous prenatal period <laughs> as an author, <laughs> the mindful vegan, a thirty day plan for finding health, balance, peace, and happiness. That's available now on pre-order. You don't even have to wait two weeks. So, so tell me, Lainey, what does mindful mean? What does mindfulness yeah. mean for people who are thinking, what, what's that? Yeah, and I'm sure there are many people listening who already have some kind of a practice that may be uh, mindfully mindfulness oriented. But I agree with you. There's a lot of misconceptions about there, about what does that mean? And there's so much. In the media right now about mindfulness, it's really gotten a bump in popularity. And mindfulness does not mean that you're full of your mind. It means that you are actually attentive fully to whatever it is you are doing in the present. And the benefits to this are enormous. And there are thousands of research studies out there actually that, as you know, I reference in the Mindful Vegan book because I'm an academic and I like people to see the support for reductions of anxiety, everything from psoriasis to relief from addiction, smoking addiction, binge eating, anxiety disorders, everything has been touched by this practice. So to answer the question, what is mindfulness, can I give you my short, simple uh, definition that really hits the nail on the head? I'd Would love that be it. Good? <laughs> okay. Mindfulness is a specific form of mental training and a particular kind of attention that you bring to your daily activities. Now, together, these two lead to reductions in reactivity, and we all know how much of our day is spent simply being reactive, and to the cultivation of positive brain states. And I want to underscore that cultivation part. 
it's really important for people to understand, and this was also reinforced in my interview with Dr. Dean Ornish for the final chapter of this book, that these states of peace, equanimity, compassion, happiness, love, these are all endogenous to us. They are there. They have just gotten buried under all of our busyness in our lives, our busy activity of our minds, this reactivity and automaticity that we've built up. So it's simply a matter of restoring ourselves to our natural whole state. That is so beautiful. When you were talking, I thought about the London Underground and how whenever you're going to get off a train there, you hear this lovely British voice saying, mind the gap. Oh, I love that. It's that kind of mind. It's not be obsessed with the gap, be afraid of the gap. It's be aware. And if we could have that kind of easygoing awareness of our whole lives all day long, how different everything would be. Oh, I am so glad you brought that up. I, I haven't seen that in London, but I saw it someplace else internationally, and I saw that mind the gap. And that's a perfect allegory, Victoria, because... And Viktor Frankl said it really well. As a matter of fact, I have many quotes in The Mindful Vegan, including this one from him, where he says, between stimulus and response, there is a space, which we just call the gap. And within that space, you have a choice. And within that choice lies your freedom. Mm -hmm. So mindfulness practice is about growing that space where you end up having more choice. And the formal practice for daily formal practice is directed toward that as as informal practice, which means bringing that mindfulness of the moment into the rest of your daily life. Now, what does multitasking do to that? Well, here's the thing. (laughs) And you know what? I would love to dive into, as a report in the Mindful Vegan, about what we know about wandering mind and uh, unhappy brain state. So if we have time, we'll certainly dive into it. It's always comes up in my presentations because it's directly pertinent to this connecting mindfulness with happiness. Multitasking, um, sometimes you can't really help but be a little bit with that, if you're like a surgeon and you have to know where your tools are, you have to know what you're operating on, you have to be aware of your team, that's one kind of multitask. That's very focused multitask. But think about another kind of multitask, which I would think social media qualifies when you're sitting down and just kind of blah, going around. What do you think? <laughs> that's exactly what I say when I'm doing it often. That you're multitasking. <laughs> well, you know what? It's, it's built on distraction. That is the fundamental guide that is in social media because they, you want, they want you to distract you with this uh, bell and that whistle so that you'll be drawn to ultimately through advertising. Of course, it's a way a lot of us reach each other and connect, and that's very important too. But directly related to the research that if we have time, we can go into that. It doesn't take much time, but we know from the research that our minds are wandering 50% of the time. That means half the time we're kind of flashing back to the past, coulda, woulda, shoulda, or projecting onto the future, kind of what ifing or catastrophizing. Half of our time is spent there. And that means only half of our time are we really present here right now doing what we're doing without being wandering mind. And what we know from the research is that when we spend too much time without some kind of degree of mastery over our habits of thinking and this wandering mind, we can actually move into something called, and I'm sure everyone will recognize it, excessive rumination, (laughs) kind of nails it on the head. You know, you just start chewing over a thought, you just can't get it out of your head. And this 
when you get into too much of that wandering mind, ruminating about this or that, it moves into a part of your brain where reside sadness, depression, cravings, addictions, obsessions, all those things that give us so much misery. So by giving ourselves some degree of mastery over this wandering mind that just takes us over that we haven't gotten any training over before, we also have a better chance at uncovering these endogenous states we were talking about earlier. So that's so you, kind of my idea for multitasking. Yeah, I, I get it. So you've written a beautiful book about this yeah. that we're all going to read, The Mindful Vegan. But for right now, what is one practice that someone could say, all right, I, I, I believe this, I want this, what do I do? What is one simple step we can take towards a more mindful life? Yes. The first thing is uh, awareness of how much you are really are engaged with what you're doing in the right here, right now. And this comes to people's awareness very clearly when they sit down to try to do some kind of quiet meditation. And in The Mindful Vegan, I do instruct it, as you know, day by day, very simply, an idea for how to sit, how to set your anchor so you can be focused on the breath for just a couple of minutes. And I want to remind people or people who may not know that we, many of us have an association with meditation that might look at the breath as your point of concentration. And the reason for that is, very pertinent to answer the question, is the mind, the breath takes place in the present. You cannot breathe for yesterday. You cannot breathe for tomorrow. It's right here, right now. So in the practice as I teach it, your anchor is watching the sensations of the breath, not feeling, thinking about them, counting them, any of that. It's just being there right with the feelings of it. And this is very illuminating to us as we just try, just for a minute or two, try sitting quietly, bring your attention to the breath, and see how quickly your mind is taken up with some kind of multitask, some kind of flashback to the past or worrying about the future. This is very instructive because it gives you information about the current state of affairs. So this is where I like to start people with a formal practice. And anyone can do that. You can do it sitting on the subway. You can do it. It doesn't even have to be a quiet room. Uh, if, if there's noise around you, it just gives you information about dealing with reactivity to distraction around you. But then what you, the idea is this focus time that you spend in concentrated practice, you learn to transfer to the rest of your day so that when you're sitting and you are holding steady, kind of like in a yoga practice, you know how you learn to hold steady through a, a posture and your mind wants you to move, but you kind of hold steady. You do yoga, so you understand that, right? I do. And yeah, I do right. the old fashioned kind of yoga where you did hold the posture. Hold, yeah, hold steady. So, and that's why that's so, such a powerful mind body practice because you are practicing in a designated time with yoga holding steady which is directly transferable then to your life outside you learn to hold steady through all kinds of situations that are going on around you and that's why you feel so good after yoga class um a part of it is because your body got a good workout but part of it is because you are disciplining yourself to keep your attention in on what you're doing so this was a long answer to a question about what's one simple thing that people can do 
I wanted to kind of give a choice of things so that see what appeals. One thing is to simply sit with your breath for a couple minutes and start becoming aware of your habits of thinking and the automaticity that is going on in your life. The other is to find some activity that you already know you feel really connected with. Yoga practice is one for many, uh, many martial arts, many people just feel really engaged walking through the woods. And can you bring your attention right here to what you are doing and start to observe these tendencies of what's going on in your mind and know that there is a simple pathway through which you can gather the tools of not being jerked around so much by our impulses and habits of thinking. Ooh, that sounds sweet. So let's tie it now to veganism. You mm-hmm. could have called your for the mindful woman, but you called it the mindful mm-hmm. vegan. Why? Part of it leads back to one of the uh, the topics that we opened with in that there's mindful eating books out there, but none of them are really mo- mindful in the way that I think is most fundamental, like how what got to your plate got there. Unless you are really fully mindful of the impact of what is on your plate, not only on your pleasure cycle and enjoying your food, which is really important, but also on your body's health on the health of the planet, on what its ramifications are. And I always call it collateral damage for what might be on your plate. And we know when with animal products, it's tremendous. There's tremendous collateral damage from that. So that was part of the reason. And another reason is that we now know, and this re- is research supported as well, that the more fruits and vegetables and plant foods that are in our diet, the higher the happiness and joy and peace that people feel is actually in the research. And I think beneath the research is also this, by being vegan, becoming vegan, we are connecting most deeply, more deeply with these endogenous qualities that I've already brought up a couple of times. Our natural capacity for compassion, for joy, for happiness, for peace. And this, I know from my personal experience, when I finally made the leap from vegetarian to vegan, there was a difference. Actually, my mindfulness practice pushed that for me because I was vegetarian for several years and had been practicing a meditation. But the longer I meditated, the more I was aware of the discomfort and unease, the disquieting state that was created in me by hanging on to the last vestiges of animal products in my diet, which was dairy products. I was teaching a sixth grade at the time, and I would drive every day. I would drive to school through this valley, this beautiful bucolic valley with green rolling hills and black and white cows grazing. And during, I would come and go from eating dairy products, which some people do. And I would drive, when I was using them, I would be driving through the valley and I'd see those cows and I would literally, Victoria, sink down in my seat and I would go, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry and feel horrible. And finally, I realized, why am I doing this? And oh, this, this is a dichotomy. This is some kind of dissonance that does not need to be continued. And that's one of the things that finally got dairy products off my plate. And boy, the feeling of that drive, totally different. You know, sitting up in my seat, greeting the cows, still saying I'm sorry because of what their lot in life was, but not because I was participating in it. So that story 
is something really exemplary of how when we're more and more connected with our natural capacity for these things, it disallows these outer behaviors that are in conflict with that. So there's some of the reasoning. (laughs) Do you believe that your mindfulness practice that was fairly long-term even at that point gave you more sensitivity to the plight of the cows or do you think that you are just that kind of person? And let me just give a little background here on this yeah. question. I don't understand why some people get it, why some people look at chicken. I mean, today I walked onto the subway. A man was having his lunch, and he was eating a chicken with bones in it. And when I look at that, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like crime scene investigation. I mm-hmm. mean, that's a corpse. But for him, it was lunch. He's not a worse person than me. What's what's the difference? Why yeah. did you get it and why do some people not? Yes. Well, uh, back to the first part of your question is, did the mindfulness practice make that difference? And as I, I'm very transparent with my entire history all throughout this book, but I did state that I started, uh, I went vegetarian and also started meditating like 45 years ago. But the kind of meditation practice I was doing back there was not the mindfulness practice that has made such a difference for me. And it wasn't until I took up this this. Uh, type of meditation that I teach in the Mindful Vegan 25 years ago, that I really started seeing changes in this kind of thing. This mindfulness practice not only helps you learn how to steady your attention and kind of watch the activities of the mind without getting engaged with them or getting hijacked by them. Also, so the practice, as I teach it in the book, is you become more connected with your interoceptors. That's an example of an interoception is connection with your true hunger and fullness signals. Instead of eating according to a plan or a diet or a guideline or or habit, you start to really reconnect with those. And you start to learn the sensations in your body that are telling you, giving you information about your emotional state, whether it's happiness or sadness or anxiety or cravings. All of those things have a physical correlate in our body. And this technique teaches you to be more cognizant of those influences. So directly related to practicing the mindfulness through that avenue helped connect me with, as I described to you, that tightness that I started to feel in association with driving past these cows, it became very clear to me that there was this dissonance that could be easily remedied. So I believe that there is a definite correlation there, that that awakened that in me. And as for the chicken bones guy, I know I was in the line yesterday, and it was at a natural food store, but of course there's a deli right next door with you can get layers of turkey in the sandwich and I, this guy next to me I could tell was ravenous he just kneeled down before he bought anything and he just started hauling into this turkey sandwich and I have the same feeling it's like you know there's my friends in there what <laughs> and you're just chewing on my friend is there's there's such a disconnect but here's what I think so lovely listeners I don't know if you are hearing anything or not Lainey has disappeared at least from my voice for the moment. I'm just sending a little note to, uh, okay. Well, that is unfortunate. You know, I have so many friends who are private podcasters, and that means they get to edit. And this one is live, so you get 
the good, okay. the bad. Are you? Hello. Hi. Hi. I guess I got disconnected, so I just looked around and found a green button and clicked it. Fantastic. <laughs> well, you okay. got disconnected in a very interesting place because you had said, here's what I think. Oh, that was so, good. What do you think? Oh, okay. Well, I think I, I, you probably missed the story that I was connecting to your chicken on the subway story about this guy next to me in line yesterday who hauled into a big turkey sandwich at the right, supermarket. You told that. And, we got the okay, good. <laughs> All right. Now, here's the thing. Oh, I know. And here's this is the connection, I believe, with the reluctance of some of our friends and companions who are uh, starting to be not comfortable with using the word vegan. And you and I have had that. This conversation before and I understand that my feeling about this is that all of us have this as I've said again this endogenous connection with being compassionate and being comp- kind and um, having this expansive equanimity around things many of us don't demonstrate it or know how to tap in it into it or have it covered up but I believe all of us have this feeling around uh, that this caring for animals, as people all say they love animals, and it's the dis- disconnect between, well, then why are you eating them? And this is so ingrained in our culture. We all know about carnism, and we all, most of us kind of grew up with that kind of association with food, that animals were a part of food. And something awakened us to looking at that in a whole different light. When we, when people say that they are uncomfortable saying that they are vegan or they, whether they verbalize that or they act uncomfortable or feel uncomfortable, what is happening is that they know just by that very statement that this is reaching to other hearts and other heads to awaken that part of them. And yet, this also then confronts the individual with the idea that they are actually doing something in action that is a disconnect from what they really feel and believe. For example, they love animals, but they eat them. Whether or not they cognize that, there's some element there, which means that your presence is, you're the messenger of that disconnect that they may be experiencing in their life and i'm telling again i don't want to say that their minds are thinking this way it's an emotional reaction and so that's where the discomfort comes from because you become the messenger that they want to shoot mm-hmm. and it's in whether you know and so how you are with your veganism is crucial for connecting in a way that is more open-hearted and that's another point of I, this is perfectly related because you asked about why vegan in it and why mindful the same practice that help us learn with reactivity with stress and anxiety in our life help us navigate these conversations with other people about the choices in our lives and on our plate if you can learn to navigate these senses, uh, sensations of anxiety and all of the fold role that we built up around these conversations, you can come to these conversations in, with more presence and authenticity. So rather than having a script that you use with people who you have this confrontation with that may have nothing to do with who that person is or where they are in their lives right now, you start to become more open-hearted so that you can connect with these people as human, live your example best, and be more genuine instead of having this already sit in our mind, what they're going to say, what they're going to do, and your reactivity about 
the horrors of them eating their chicken bone on the subway. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And it's also a really great reason for why vegans might want to become involved in a mindfulness practice, mm-hmm. some sort of, of meditation or targeted spiritual practice, because we see one thing. We see the vegan part. We see the animals and that's a great thing to see, and it's a great basis for a revolutionized life. And yet, there is so much I know that I don't see. And so the spiritual Thank practice you. helps me every day to hopefully see a little bit more. Yes, yes. And I find, and I'm sure you find this too, because I know that you are really uh, in your heart to be connected in this most fundamental way with your your higher instincts and your better way of being that the best way to prepare for presentations with any group that you might be speaking to is to instead of going over your speech one more time again spend some time in mindfulness practice so that you can be more open-hearted and present with everybody that's there and i'm so glad you brought that in about how important this is for not only everyone but for vegans and you know melanie joy we all know melanie joy right right and <laughs> who she, is just rid- for anybody who doesn't know you use the word carnism and that is a word um coined by dr melanie joy and it is the practice of why almost everybody believes that it's okay to befriend certain animals and eat others and thank you for for uh, identifying that word and and um defining it too because it's such a good word, and Melanie did coin it, and it's just such a it's such a teller, isn't it? But I'm really excited that Melanie has actually she has a new book out called It's coming out the same day as the Mindful Vegan. Actually, it's called Beyond Beliefs, and in her book, who I interviewed her for the Mindful Vegan, and she's written a little section for it. But she fell in love with the Mindful Vegan and added it into her book as a reference because she says mindfulness practice is so important because of, you know, training for compassion relief and the need for people to get beneath all this angst and anxiety so that you can have some kind of self-care. So it's right in there. I highly recommend. She's got it footnoted and... Then she also is recommending it. You know, she's in Berlin now. She does. She's very active in Europe with uh, veganism, even though she travels everywhere. She has put together SIVA trainings, which is training for vegan advocacy. And she teaches this in groups all over Europe. And she is bringing the Mindful Vegan into those presentations saying, yeah, this is so exciting to me because, you know, Melanie is she can articulate all this so well. You know, if, if all of us could be only half as articulate as she is, she makes it all make so much sense about, well, of course this and not that. But she's very good at not only this connectivity with non-vegans, but also saying you need to have self-care to be able to really be a good advocate. If you are being with yourself with um, anger and shame and feeling like you have to be fired up all the time and shaking people by their shoulders you're just going to burn yourself out and not be as effective as if you are practicing mindfulness and being more confident and strong in just being a happy vegan very true now laney the mindful vegan a 30-day plan for finding health balance peace and happiness is a beautiful book and yet we live in the 
internet age, the information age, the multisensorial age. And so you're doing something extra with this book. You're doing audio guides. Tell us about yeah, those. Yeah. Well, my fundamental desire with this book is to get these tools into hands and hearts and also to have people try them out and see if it works for them. Uh, many people already have some kind of grounding practice or something that helps them have that sense of presence. And I always encourage them then pick that up or keep it up. But if you're looking for something or would like to try something new, this mindfulness practice and this is why I put it together in a 30-day plan. Instead of just, here's a great idea that you read about and someday think you're going to try it on, I have it into a 30-day plan. And along that same line, to get people started, I've just finished recording 30 audio support guides that go with the book. These are free add-ons. When you get your book, you'll find in resources, it tells you where to go on my website and you will find all of them. Whether, you know, if you like audio support, they're there for you. If you don't, that's fine. But day one is just one minute of, of guidance. Day two is two minutes on the, all the way up to day 30. So I do have that. And I also have, I, I guess this is going to go air before launch, correct? So we could talk about the pre-order it's, bonus. It's yes. airing right now. We are oh, live. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Okay. That's right. Victoria's is live and you can go back and listen later. That's what's nice about your show. Sometimes people just kind of go back. Acting, oh yeah, even if it's radio. It, yeah, it's fun. It also means like when you were disconnected, people hear the disconnection. But you know what? That's life, and uh, and that's good. Yeah, that, and that is be, good. Yeah, it's just we can be. That's another thing. Like I talk, you know, reactivity. You can find out. Oh, you can get frustrated about that. But this is what is. So how can I navigate this more skillfully instead of getting all wound up about it? But I have put together it, again with the idea of. Getting people going, the mindful vegan pre-order bonus is I already have day four of the audio guides up for a free download if you do the pre-order. I also have the mindful vegan virtual retreat, which is coming up about October 19th. It'll be over four days, and for everybody who, once you pre-order, you'll get your ticket to that, and I will send you information about how to call in or webcast in, and it's going to be very simple. On the first day, I'll just be live with everyone for about half an hour, some introductory comments, some encouragement, and live Q&A. And then on day four, we'll come back together. The idea is to get us all moving forward with actually practicing these tools from the start. We'll come back together, and I'll be there again for more Q&A and moving forward. Well, I want all of it. That sounds absolutely amazing. So <laughs> that's people can pre-order just thing. the regular way, AmazonBN.com? Yes, you can pre-order anywhere. It's, you know, wherever fine books are sold, actually. But to get the, your sign on to get the information for the bonus gifts, if indeed you would like them, then it's over at my website, which is com, or actually the com. I also have in our program notes, can we put the link to the bit.ly? It's all there. It's oh, all there. Okay. My, my wonderful virtual assistant, Katie, has put all that in. So okay. just go to MainStreetVegan.net and when you click on podcast, you will get a drop down and it'll take you to the show notes where you can find all these cool things that Lainey is offering for every mindful vegan out there. And if you don't feel that you're quite a mindful vegan yet or a vegan yet or mindful yet, that's okay. 
there's time for all of it. <laughs> we're Holly, all, we're, thank yeah, you, we're thank all you, Lainey, and yeah. thank you, Unity Online Radio, mm-hmm. and thank you most of all, everyone who has opted yes. to spend this 55 minutes yes. with us. God bless you. Eat your veggies. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Every moment we live can be holy, and all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so. Everything we do can be a prayer, and by using our innate creativity with intention, in every aspect of our lives, that can indeed be true. Author Carla Kincannon wrote, Creativity is so much more than art making. It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. think of peace, we may imagine ourselves sitting high on a mountaintop at daybreak or walking on a secluded beach while the sun sets. But peace isn't a luxury reserved only for special occasions or special places. It's an essential tool for daily living. My peace isn't dependent upon a particular place or event. At any time and in any circumstance, I can shift my focus from the appearances of life to the reality of peace within myself. Park Cousins said, How things look on the outside of us depends on how things are on the inside of us. So if you don't like what you're seeing around you, paint a different picture within you. Peace. What I see is what I get. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.